Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 253. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. And first-time listeners, we're glad that you found us and we really hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Well, we've just returned from the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference in San Jose, and we'll go through all the software updates, all the hardware announcements, and we'll also chat with Chanel Dio from Halfbrick, the Australian creators of Fruit Ninja. Also on the show, Linksys reveals its VLOP Wi-Fi system for your home, and Foxtel kicks off its new streaming service. In the Tech Guide review, we're also going to take a look at the GoPro Karma drone, and we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A monster show for you, so let's get cracking. Well, we are only a couple of days back from San Jose, where Apple held its annual Worldwide Developers Conference. I think it was the 28th Worldwide Developers Conference. So they've been having these conferences well before the iPhone, iPad was around. So uh, it just goes to show that Apple's developer community is quite a vibrant one. Uh, They were saying at the keynote there are more than 16 million registered developers for Apple platforms. And this annual event is a way for them to get an insight of what Apple has up their sleeve in terms of software developments and also hardware releases. But it's also an opportunity for these developers to actually meet uh, Apple engineers and and show them their code and get some advice and really help themselves make their apps as successful as possible and this year that was no exception being it was the first time it was held in San Jose though for 15 years normally it's in, in downtown San Francisco at the Moscone Center but uh, it was actually uh, not a bad venue in San Jose this year we're going to start off with some software updates in the next segment we're going to talk about the hardware announcements but uh, seeing that it's a developers conference and software is at the heart of what they do uh, at the conference uh, I thought we'd kick off with that uh, the first the first thing we're going to talk about is iOS 11. This is the new operating system that's coming for iPhone and iPad. And if, for the first time that I can remember, it was the first time that Apple actually said, well, there are more improvements in iOS 11 for the iPad than actually for the iPhone. There are still some improvements and new features for the iPhone, but it's more a cosmetic, cosmetic improvement as well as some other features. But the bulk of the improvements for iOS 11 are for the iPad, which we're going to talk about in a moment. If On the iPhone side, we should talk about the iMessages is now uh, going to be revamped. Uh, not not in uh, there, there may be some new uh, some new effects on the on iMessages and easy ways to use stickers and things like that. But the biggest thing that stuck out for me was the way that uh, iMessages are going to now all be stored in iCloud. So all your all your conversations can be synced across all your devices. So if you've got an iPhone, an iPad, your Mac, all your message conversations are all going to sync up. And what Apple's going to do as well is only leave the most recent conversations on your device. So that's going to save you some space as well. Another new feature is Apple Pay person to person. We all know Apple Pay allows you to go into a store or shop online and pay for your product using Apple Pay. Well, now you can actually make a payment to another person with Apple Pay. Say so a friend of yours owes you money or you owe them money, you can actually send them the money via Apple Pay to their device. Now, I'm assuming that you both need to be iPhone users and have uh, a, an Apple Pay cash card, which is, uh, I think, that's something that's going to be obviously released before iOS 11 is, is uh, updated in uh, in our springtime, around September. So what, what you're about to do is receive the money 
and then also uh, be able to transfer it to your bank or spend it out of the cash card, I'm assuming. So an easy way to uh, to uh, for those IOUs to be collected. Bunch of improvements too with live photos. You know that feature where it's a, it's like a little video, and when you take your photo, it re- records frames before and after the when you take uh, you press the shutter button, and um, it, it it creates like a, this little mini movie. Well, that's going to also improve, so you can create loops, bounces, take longer exposures, things like that. Another big improvement is control center. You know, when you sweep up from the bottom of the screen, you can see those little controls. That is going to be vastly improved. And with 3D touch, you can even dive even further into the control center and have a lot more control over the things on your device, like turning Wi-Fi on and off and your torch and all those sorts of things. A bunch of updates there as well. Maps are also going to be updated, and they're now going to include not only directions and streets and things like that, but also detailed floor plans of shopping malls and airports. Now, I don't think these are going to be in Australia anytime soon, but they are kicking off in the US and other major countries, airports as well, where major airports around the world are going to be included in maps. So that way you can find out where the gate is, find out where the departures is, the air lounges and all this sort of stuff. So that's a handy little addition to to maps. On the navigation side, we're going to also see uh, speed limits and lane guidance also if we're using maps for navigation. But uh, another significant improvement, I think, is do not disturb while driving. This was only a really short part of the presentation, but I think one of the most important uh, in terms of the software updates. Now, this is really important for uh, for everyone moving forward because the driver distraction is is a big problem. And the research suggests that one in 10 fatalities in Australia is actually related to driver distraction. And oftentimes that distraction is our phone. And it's not a matter of receiving messages and calls that is the distraction. It's sometimes receiving the notifications. The screen lights up and you see all these various notifications and you try to see something. And that, that is often the distraction. With Do Not Disturb While Driving, it puts the phone into a mode where you won't receive any notifications. Your screen just stays blank, unless you're using maps or something like that. So you won't receive any notifications. If you receive a message, it'll send an auto-reply to say, sorry, can't talk to you now, can't message now, I'm driving, we'll reply when it's safe to do so. I think there'll also be an option for you to block calls while you're driving as well. We're uh, waiting to see the software for ourselves to, to tell you that for sure. Uh, the app, app Store is also going to undergo a major redesign as well. We're going to see that. That's the first big redesign for quite some time. So basically, it's just going to make it a lot easier to discover new apps. So uh, games are going to have their own category. Uh, the apps that are released that day, apps of the day. And it's going to look a lot like Apple Music The uh, if you look at the layout and the, and the fonts and all that. It, it's all about discovery and how there's millions, literally millions of apps in the store, how you can then find your way to uh, the new apps. That That's the whole goal of the App Store, to, to bring these undiscovered, previously undiscovered apps to your attention. Now... Moving on to the iPad's improvements, and these are significant because uh, while we only had a real sneak peek at those features, I think it's important for for Apple to this this software update is going to help Apple promote the iPad Pro as a genuine laptop replacement device. So we're seeing improvements like multitasking. It's going to include a larger dock. Anyone who uses a Mac with a, with a dock down the bottom of the screen or down the side of your screen, that's also going to come to iPad. So you're seeing more and more of the Mac OS features creeping into iOS 11, and that's one of them, the larger dock. Improve multitasking, drag and drop, multi-select, uh, a new keyboard as well with 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 uh, keys, so you can get to the uh, your numbers and punctuation a lot quicker as well. Uh, the the thing with with the iPad Pro and the demos for their for uh, the new iOS 11, it did just show just how powerful the system's going to be. During during the keynote, they had a they demonstrated a new AR kit, augmented reality kit, and basically showed how easy it is. For anyone just to place virtual objects on on a surface, so you can just imagine the developers what sort of power they're going to have with, with augmented reality, and you can bet your bottom dollar that by the time iOS 11 rolls around in uh, September, uh, uh, middle to late September, 
you're going to see a lot of AR content. And I think the new iPhone, which wasn't unveiled at WWDC, unfortunately, but I think the new iPhone is going to also have a focus on AR as well. Augmented reality is going to be a really big part of that. New software for the Macs, and that's Mac OS High Sierra. And they did admit this is more of a refinement than a totally new release. So they are improving the technology that's on board. One thing that they have updated is Safari. That's Apple's browser. And a couple of new features on board there. It's going to help you. Have you ever gone to a site and a, a video plays on that on that site? It might be an ad. It might be an autoplay uh, from that particular news site. And it's not only annoying, but it can also be embarrassing if you're in a meeting or something like that. It, it blares out there really loud. Well, Safari will, be able, will allow you to block those videos. What it's also going to allow you to do is block intelligent tracking from site to site. So, for example, if you've done a Google search for uh, a holiday to Fiji, for example, anyone who's ever done any kind of search like that, no matter what it is, they often find in their Facebook feed, in their on, on Google ads that appear on other sites, all these places where... These ads are constantly served up to you, and that's this intelligent tracking cookies, they also call it. Safari is going to help you block that so the search data won't follow you across the internet. So for some, I don't mind seeing those ads. It's, it's obviously something we want to find out more about. That's why we search for it in the first place. Other people are not so hot about it, and uh, they'll be able to block it with Mac OS High Sierra. The other major software to talk about was Watch OS 4. Not, not a huge amount of new things there. You're going to have some new watch faces. There's going to be a Siri watch face, so that it's a more intelligent watch face to adapt to what you're doing throughout the day. You also, if you're a fan of Toy Story, it's good news too. You're going to have Woody, Jesse, and Buzz in a variety of vignettes uh, playing out on your, on your Apple Watch as well. There's going to be more uh, activity, uh, improvement to the activity app. Uh, with new monthly challenges and all that sort of stuff, new new milestones. Workout is also going to be uh, enhanced, especially for swimmers. And the other cool feature is if you train at a gym, so indoor trainers will now be able to sync their Apple Watch with the gym equipment. So you can share your heart rate information with the machine, and the machine can upload its, da- upload its data, like incline and all that sort of stuff you're doing, to your watch. So you can have a more complete picture of uh, what sort of exercise you're doing. They are the major software updates, and if you want to read more about those, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. But now, on to the hardware updates. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, I can't remember a worldwide developers conference that, that had more hardware unveiled in at, at, at one time. It, it was We're talking a new 10.5-inch iPad Pro, new iMacs, new MacBooks and a new HomePod, which is a new wireless intelligent speaker. Uh, let's talk about that first because we've actually we, we've seen it up close, we've heard it up close as well, and I've got to say, really impressive. The device is about 18 centimeters tall, connects to Apple Music, and gives you wireless connectivity to uh, your Apple Music uh, account. So you've got 40 million tracks to access, 2 million artists. All of this at your, well, not at your fingertips, but uh, at your beck and call because this is also powered by Siri. So you can actually talk to the HomePod and not only ask for your music selections, but also it's going to be linked to HomeKit, which is Apple's all-in-one app for compatible devices in your home, so your smart home devices. So if you want to access, uh, you want to tell Siri to turn the lights in the lounge room blue or I'm home, and that will trigger the TV turning on and the air conditioning turning on, or it's movie time, and that'll turn your TV on. Your t- it'll switch it to the Blu-ray source and maybe even close your curtains if you've got motorized curtains. So this, this sort of functionality is what we can expect to see with HomePod. And the name HomePod, I think, uh, is a good one. It, 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 the rumor was it's going to be called the Siri speaker and all these other, other names. But HomePod, it sort of brings it further along from you've got the original iPod, which was your i, so it's just for me, personal experience. And now you've got a HomePod, which is a music experience for your home rather than your personal experience because it is a speaker, plays out loud so everyone can hear it. Uh, I kind of like that name. Under the hood, this thing has got a lot of great features, including seven tweeters, 
that have arranged in, in a 360-degree arrangement. So the, the music comes in all directions. It's also got an upward-firing subwoofer. And uh, the sound of this thing, I have heard this, uh, the HomePod, and I have to say it is absolutely brilliant. The sound was magnificent by itself. It was also placed side by side with a, a Sonos Play 3 and an Amazon Echo, and it absolutely blitzed the, uh, the opposition. So uh, w- what I really enjoyed about the sound was it, it, wasn't, it didn't seem like it was coming in one direction. It seemed like it just filled the room. And uh, you can walk in various parts of the room, and the sound sounded, it sounded just as good in those other parts of the room as it would sitting in front of it or beside it or behind it. Uh, part of the reason for that is because it's got spatial awareness. So the, the speaker is actually aware of where you put it in your home. So it might be against a wall. It might be on a shelf. It might be in a bookcase. You don't know wherever it's going to be. Uh, it might be just on a table. It, it, it's aware of its surroundings and can make can, can optimize the sound quality to suit those surroundings. So, for example, when I heard it, it was on a, on a, a tabletop against a wall. So what, app, what HomePod did was actually bounce music from, bounce sound from the wall back into the room. So reflected the sound in that way. It also was able to direct the different aspects of the song. Like, for example, the, the lyrics could be beamed straight to the people in the room and other aspects of the song. Uh, it, it just sounded remarkable. They played a number of songs. They also they also had a live track too. They I think they played um, Hotel California, uh, a live version of Hotel California, and it sounded like we were in the audience. It was it was absolutely brilliant. They also combined actually for that live play of that song, they they played uh, they put two home pods together. That, so they created what sounded like a stereo pair with the home pods and it was like we were at the concert. It was absolutely amazing. So uh, that's not until December though. So plenty of time to wait for that and uh pricing's going to be around I think between 5 and 600 Aussie dollars. It's 349 US dollars. So if you just do the straight conversion, you're looking at about probably 499 to 4550 around that. So uh we can hopefully uh, hopefully be well under 600 bucks. Quite possibly under 500 bucks, but uh I doubt that with the, given the uh interest the exchange rates. Moving along to the iMac. Now, this was uh, actually, no, I won't talk about the iMac now. I'm going to talk about the iPad Pro first. I'll talk about the iMac uh, in a moment. The iPad Pro, 10.5 inch new iPad Pro. The 9.7 device is still going to remain as your regular iPad. That's not going anywhere. But the iPad Pro is now available no longer in 9.7, 10.5, and 12.9. And both devices. Uh, the 12.9 and the 10.5 have both had a refresh. So the 10.5, being new, has all the new features. 12.9 has also been updated with those new features as well. Uh, it, it, apart from memory bumps, processor bumps, you're going to see a new feature on board called ProMotion. This is uh, this allow, allows the iPad to adapt its refresh rate. It can have a refresh rate as high as 120 hertz. So it's like on your television. Like multiple times a second, the screen refreshes itself to give to hopefully give that smoother movement on the screen with the with the pro motion on the iPad it'll it's adaptable so the refresh rate it knows what it's displaying so if it's a, if it's a video a movie it's going to give you 120 hertz other times it doesn't need that, that that much of a refresh rate because it might be you might be looking at a still image and so uh, the pro motion can adapt to that so less refresh rate means less cycles on the battery so it's going to reduce your power consumption and give you a longer battery life uh, the iPad Pro has a A10X Fusion chip, 64-bit, and during the keynote, they did live, they, they did demonstrations of like rendering 3D images and playing graphics-heavy games, but also you can edit 4K video really easily as well. So these things are actually going to pack quite a bit of punch to give you that laptop-like experience. The Apple Pencil uh, usability has also been improved, so you can search written notes and things like that. It's going to be a lot more responsive uh, that that updated uh, refresh rate is really going to help the whole really make it really smooth to use the whole thing and that does help Apple Pencil be even more responsive what else there they've also upped the memory capacity too so it starts at uh, 64 gig 
and goes all the way up to to 512 gigs. So that's half a terabyte, more than half a terabyte of storage on an iPad, which is amazing. So it's 64 gigs the entry, uh, 256, and then 512. And they're going to start at 1199 for the Wi-Fi model. That's 64 gig, 1399 for the 64 gig Wi-Fi plus 4G LTE model. And they're available now. This week you can actually buy the new iPad Pros, 10.5, and the new 12.9 inch as well. Moving on to the iMac. And yes, they are. This is, I have to say, the iMac, MacBooks, MacBook Pro, the biggest update Apple's ever done. So the iMacs have had particular attention because the desktop range has now had a lot more standard RAM, a lot more maximum RAM you can have as well, faster processors, improved graphics processors, Thunderbolt 3 as well on board. So these could be fully specced out and be powerful enough for professionals who are doing high-end processes like editing video, rendering things. The iMac can handle that. Uh, so it's a, a great option for any type of customer, whether you're an entry-level user or a professional, the iMac will handle it. MacBooks have just had a, a processor update. They're now using the KB Lake processors, as are the new iMacs as well, uh, and the MacBook Pros too. The biggest news, though, in the iMac front is the introduction of the iMac Pro. Now, this isn't going to surface till December, uh, it's the, still the 27-inch design, 5K Retina screen. It's got this cool space gray look to it instead of the silver. And this is a powerhouse because it's got the Intel Xeon processors up to 18 cores. Can uh, ha- has a new cooling system uh, that, that results in an 80% increase in the cooling capacity because this thing's a, a powerhouse. You need to keep it cool. And can also support four terabytes of of, uh, SSD, solid-state drive, flash drive, and up to a massive 128 gig of RAM. So this is quite a machine. It's going to kick off in December, starting at $5,000. Australian pricing yet to be decided. We've got to... Till, till December to wait for it. But that's a wrap of all the hardware. Plenty there to talk about. Plenty of you there for you to look at as well. I've written about all of them at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Now, it wouldn't be a developer's conference if we didn't talk to a developer. And one of the best uh, Aussie imports is Shaniel Dio from Halfbrick. Uh, they're a Brisbane-based Aussie developing company, development company who are best known for producing the game Fruit Ninja. Now, I'm sure you've heard of it, and I'm sure even more of you have played it. This is a game that, according to Halfbrick, is the second most downloaded game on the App Store, has been downloaded more than 1.5 billion times. So uh, we sat down with uh, Shane Hill, and he gave us a little scoop, too, about the new version of Fruit Ninja, and uh, here's what he had to say when we caught up in San Jose. Hi, Shane Hill. Thanks for joining me. Well, we're here at the Worldwide Developers Conference, and... You have been a developer for some time now, the head of Half Brick Studios, That's and right. uh, have several uh, successful titles on your belt, including Fruit Ninja, by the way. I'll tell you my high score later. Okay. Uh, but tell us, how, what, what value do you get coming from the worldwide to the Worldwide Developers Conference? Uh, for me, it's, it's one of the big events of the year. So there's probably two or three things that I travel for, and WD, WWDC is definitely one of them. And... I guess the value that I get is coming to meet with various parts of the Apple team that I don't get to see usually. So we deal with the, the Apple crew in Sydney. But, um, you know, to come here and sort of meet meet the heart of the, the team in Cupertino and obviously San Jose or San Francisco, wherever the event's held, is uh, really important. So we sort of meet with guys on the developer side, the worldwide developer relations team, but then also the App Store and marketing side. So mm-hmm. it's important for me to maintain those relationships as well because they're really important to our business. Okay, let, let's talk about your background. We know you're the head of Half Brick, and so tell us, take us through that, how that got started and to give us a little bit of a potted history of uh, Half Brick and, of course, the successful apps that have resulted. Sure, so um, I, I don't know if I can provide a potted history, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go because we've been around for 16 years. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't really realise that. They don't even realise that we're an Australian company, actually. <laughs> 
But um, are people surprised when they hear you're an Australian? They company? are. They are. A lot of people in Australia just have no understanding that there is, you know, an industry there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we started back in 2001, and um, my background was in IT and programming, and I've been a developer, you know, for all of my life pretty much. And there's a group of us that sort of graduated from Quantum College, and we decided, hey, we may as well start our own company rather than work for someone else, mm-hmm. because the industry was very nascent back then. And so we, we sort of, you know, did the hard work. We, we bootstrapped the company. We didn't take any investment. There wasn't much around in those days yeah. anyway. And, um, you know, we just iterated and we started on Game Boy Advance, Nintendo DS and mm-hmm. PSP. And then the big shift for us was moving to the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. So PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Arcade, and then obviously the App Store. Yeah. And, and that's where things really took off for that's us. When, that's when the rubber hit the road, yeah, isn't exactly. it? The, the App Store was... Exactly. Then the iPhone, introduction of the iPhone. iPhone and the App Store, and that was the turning point. That and, was a game changer. And so we, we started, obviously, releasing some of our older titles, and then we started focusing, you know, specifically for the iPhone, and that's where we had the Monster Dash and then Fruit Ninja, which was huge, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think it's the second most downloaded game of all time. Wow. And, you know, Jetpack Joyride, that's been a big mm-hmm. game for us. And then, you know, a host of others, mm-hmm. but those two are really the, the key titles for us. Okay. So, um, yeah, and we've evolved over the years from, you know, a small five-man crew mm-hmm. to uh, around 100. Mm-hmm. So you're still coming to WWDC? You've been... How many, how many times have you been so, to the show? Yeah, I've been, here, I've been coming here since probably 2011. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, I've been attending many developer conferences over the years, but WWDC for the last last probably seven years. Yeah, yeah, and it's an important one, as I said, on the calendar for me. Mm-hmm. And and you being an Australian, mm-hmm. Australia, Australian developers uh, are doing pretty well. We're flying the flag. Yeah. How uh, have you seen any other Aussie developers here, and how do we fit in the world of development? Yeah, well, actually, we really punch above our weight. Um, you know. I think you hear that a lot about Australia generally, but I was just at an event uh, on Sunday, I think it was, for Australian developers, and there must have been like 50 or 60 there. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of developers making apps, making games, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at it from, purely from a games point of view, I think Australia really does create some of the best-known titles, although, mm-hmm. as once again, a lot of people wouldn't realise yeah. that they're Australian. So... You look at things like Crossy Road, you look at yeah. obviously Fruit Ninja, Jetpack Joyride, mm-hmm. um, and even, yeah, there's, there's so many titles that come out of Australia that, that really do quite well. Mm-hmm. Did you see that young 10-year-old kid, the Aussie kid, who's, who's made five that. apps or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I saw yeah. that. How old was <laughs> Did that he? make you feel a little bit sad? Yeah. <laughs> thinking, geez, what have I done with my life? I'm just thinking <laughs> where that guy's going to be when he reaches my age. Should is, offer him a job, uh, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> get him on the half break. have to get his card. Yeah, yeah right. So, so where from here? Like the, 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 this uh, Apple, to their credit, have really nurtured the developer community. Mm-hmm. They've really done. They've really curated the App Store really well. Yep. And they've created this amazing thing where a guy like yourself in Brisbane mm-hmm. can sell an app to someone in the, on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, how could uh, would we be sitting here if that wasn't possible? Uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, just 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 thinking about where that. You know, where that humble app store has evolved to is just uh, mind-blowing for me. And, you know, the fact that we can reach so many people so easily, you know, click of a button, put our app out there and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just generate so much money through the app store. It's, yeah. I, I just can't even... I can't even comprehend how much Apple has paid out over the last, you know. Yeah, it's like seventy billion dollars. Seventy billion dollars. So were you, were you, you were around before App Store. Yep. So how difficult was it getting a game out there then? It must have been tough. It, it was impossible. Like when we started in two thousand and one, we could not release a game ourselves because we needed so much capital, you know, to actually manufacture the 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 discs or the cartridges. Yeah. Whereas. You know, Apple and, and their completely digital app store just allowed us to just, you know, we don't have to worry about cost of goods or anything. We just make a game, upload yeah. it to the store, and people can download it. And then also, you know, Apple with their their high attachment of credit cards uh, has made payments easy as well. Yeah, so so all of these things were a barrier. You've got my money, mate. I've got all your games. <laughs> yeah, a lot of thank them. you. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of people do, you know. We've, I think we've had over probably 1.5 billion downloads of yeah. Fruit Ninja. Who, who's the most famous person that's told you they like their game, like Fruit Ninja oh. fan? Who who's, would be the most famous? Jesus, there's, there's so many. So but many celebrities tell you, oh, the, mate, I love your game. He, there's always been heaps. I mean, we always see... It's, it's become... A, 
become part of mainstream, right? Yeah. But the one that always stands out for me was when I think Tony Blair got caught playing Fruit Ninja in, in Parliament. You know, <laughs> really? that, yeah, that, that's the one that really stands out for me. So uh, that's funny. I think um, we we really made a, an impact when you got police playing. Yeah, you know. right. So it's. 2017. Mm-hmm. What's in the pipeline, mate? Are we, can we? Are you going to give me an ex- world exclusive, a new app coming out, a new game? What's I will, happening? I will drop a world exclusive. So, um, you know, the biggest thing that I'm sort of focused on is the the next Fruit Ninja, yeah. and so that's not quite going to make 2017, but yeah. it'll be early 2018. Right. So. So this one's going to be a huge one for us, and we're really gearing up for the launch. And, you know, it's an important part of why I'm here at WWDC. So there's well. Fruit Ninja 2? Fruit Ninja 2. Okay. Yeah. So where, where does it, like, I know Fruit Ninja, there's been a lot of updates, and it's mm-hmm. been around for a while. Yeah. Where is the point where you say, you know what, we should just start a new one and call it Fruit Ninja 2? Like, what, what, what is the point, where did you reach that point and to say, well, we've got enough here for a new game? I think uh, it's always an interesting one because... I've always held back on Fruit Ninja 2. Like, uh-huh. I really wanted to make sure we were at a point where we could come up with something that was new, uh-huh, right. but still in keeping with what Fruit Ninja was. So yeah. we had a number of um, iterations and prototypes along the way over okay. the last five or six years, but, you know, we sort of scrapped them at various points. And then eventually we... we and I can't give too much away about what's in the <laughs> game, but we got to the point where we felt, okay, this is worthy of a sequel. Yeah, so, right. so what we have now is really exciting, and I think people are going to be pleasantly okay. surprised. So, it still keeps the, the the at the heart of the game is still Definitely. still still slicing, yeah, 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 you're still yeah. fruit ninja. Yeah. You know, you want to be the best fruit ninja in the world, and okay. and uh, that's still at the core. But um, just everything we've built around the game is yeah is um, yeah, it's exciting. What what, what would you, advice would you give a young developer? They see this worldwide developers conference. They got ideas for an, an app, and, and now the ease in which someone can make an app is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Now, so, what advice would you give to someone if you could go back to say yourself even mm-hmm. in fifteen years ago? What advice would you give? So, uh, I would say for a young aspiring developer, you know, there's many opportunities at WWDC to actually come over here on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Apple always provides these, but you need to put the hard work in, right, yeah. and uh, submit whatever they want you to submit. So I would say just put yourself out there and, and take the chance to actually come to these events and get immersed in what's happening because mm-hmm. when you're just there working in your basement in Australia or wherever yeah. it is, you don't really see just the scale. And you, and you come to events like WWDC to get inspiration, meet with other developers because yeah. there's a very tight-knit community here. So I'd recommend just get out there um, and expose yourself to what's happening a lot more and just, just work hard, you know. You can't beat hard work. So Absolutely. get in there and just make your first game or your first app and it it'll, won't it'll, be the best thing ever, but iterate on that, build on that. You know, just keep improving and honing your craft and eventually you get to the point where you have, you know, like the, the young guy, five apps out in the app store and, and probably making decent money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great advice. We appreciate your time. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Well, now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro with even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets, or whoever's at the front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming, and yes, it's still 100% wire-free and weatherproof, so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up, so you can check in on your home or your business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection, and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash for more forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Okay, on to other news, and the first of which is the new Velop modular home Wi-Fi system by Linksys. Now, Velop is a derivative of the word envelope. Envelope. Envelope is another way of saying that. Envelope means you completely surround something. So if you're enveloped, Velop is the name that they've dragged out of. They are envelope. 
And that's the name they've come up with for their modular home Wi-Fi system. It's available in stores from this week, and it is a, a system, a modular system, as we said. So it is consists of can consist of one, two, or three pieces. So this modular system allows you to play, have a each of the systems can uh, play a different role. One can be a router, one can be a range extender, one can be an access point or a bridge to create this mesh network in your home. So you connect one to your modem, for example. You may connect a second one in the middle of your home so that it, it, it connects to it and, cre- and enhances your network, cre- creates a wider network. And a third, if you want to, if you maybe live in a larger house or a two-story house, you can also position another one so that the, uh, the rest of the house is completely covered with your Wi-Fi network. And the advantage of this is that there's speed on your network even on the very edges of the network. Normally with a regular router, the closer you are to the router, the stronger the Wi-Fi network. Well, with VELOP, this, the, each node is a tri-band AC2200 device so that it consistently spreads the Wi-Fi network to the very edges of your home and in places of your home where you maybe couldn't have reached with a regular uh, wireless router. So it's uh, they connect to each other wirelessly. Each node connects wirelessly. Or if you've got a cable handy, that, that can do the trick as well. But the bottom line, it creates one network, one network name, and one password can then, rather than having three or four different names or, or, or suffixes after them, uh, it is one name for the whole house. Really easy to install as well, thanks to the app that steps you through the whole thing. The app also can tell you, can hint at, can suggest the best places to place the nodes as well for the best result. Uh, it, it, it can help find the right spot so you're achieving maximum throughput and improve the range and signal strength throughout the entire house. And as I said, one password, one network name for the whole thing. Now, the nodes themselves are tall, so they've got like this vertical orientation. And what that does, that actually helps with the Wi-Fi performance. So if you uh, place it in various parts of your house, the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi strength and the connectivity improves thanks to that that vertical design. Now the Velop uh, system is going to be available from June the fifteenth, which is this week, at JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman. It's going to be available as a one pack. So if you just want one. Three hundred forty nine ninety five, a two pack six forty nine ninety five, the three pack seventy nine seven hundred ninety nine ninety five. They also come with a three year warranty and twenty four seven customer support. But uh, we're going to do a complete review with the Velop, and you're going to hear about that in an upcoming podcast. So that's uh, it's announced now. It's out now, and uh, if you want to read more about it, you can still do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we're talking Foxtel and, in particular, their new streaming service, Foxtel Now. And this is basically the replacement for Foxtel Play. So it's a new streaming service. Foxtel's come up with this to, let's face it, they're, they're, face, they're, they're facing strong opposition from Netflix and Stan and all these other streaming services. So Foxtel kind of had to reinvent itself a little bit to take on those opponents. Now, you can still have your set-top box and still enjoy all your programming, but now you do have the option of using a the internet. So the broad, your broadband connection through your device, stream through a mobile device, you can now enjoy Foxtel Now. Now, there are no setup costs because it's a streaming service. The service is delivered through your broadband connection, so no need for a set-top box. And you can all watch it on on your compatible devices, like on your computer, so Macs and PCs. Uh, you can also use uh, Telstra TV, as well as being able to stream Foxtel now to your big stream, big screen, maybe from a mobile device using Google Chromecast. Later on down the track, we're going to see uh, PlayStation Three and Four, as well as Xbox One, updated, so you can watch Foxtel Foxtel Now through that as well. There will be also some updates. Selected smart TVs will also be able to watch, uh, allow you to watch that service through on the on their smart TV platform as well. 
One thing, though, I did notice that to watch in HD, you can do that on your computer, uh, on Telstra TV, as well as on a Google, through, uh, streaming through a mo- from a mobile device using Google Chromecast to your TV. But if you're watching through a, a PlayStation, a Xbox, or console that's connected to your TV, or even on the TV itself using the app, it's only going to be standard definition. Now, that really, that's a mystery to me why they would do that. But hopefully down the track that those other connected services will also be upgraded to high definition. Now, if you're a customer of Foxtel already and you're thinking of maybe uh, downgrading to, say, getting rid of the set-top box and taking up Foxtel now, then you really need to look at the packages because... It's the, the Foxtel now is, is set up in such a way where obviously the most in-demand things are going to be your drama packs and your sports packs as well. But Foxtel has made it so you can't have a drama or popular pack without having an entry-level, a $10 entry-level pack as well. So, for example, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, season seven's coming up in the next month or so, it's going to be aired on the Showcase channel, which is part of both the Drama Pack and the Pop Pack. So you can pay 15 bucks a month for that, but it has to be bundled with an entry pack, which is 10 bucks. So for as little as 25 bucks, you can be watching Game of Thrones and all those other programs on Showcase and all those other channels that you get on the pack. You want to throw it, you want to get into your movies, then $20 pack is also uh, is a month when bundled with an entry-level pack, so 30 bucks a month if you want to just watch movies. And if you're a sports fan like myself, it's going to cost you, it, it, well, they're saying as little as $39 a month. The sports pack is the most expensive. It's 29 bucks, and let's face it, it's one of Foxtel's biggest strengths because sport, live sport, is one of the things why people keep their Foxtel. It's one of the reasons I keep Foxtel is for that live sport. For you to watch live sport through Foxtel now, you need to have your $29 sports pack and a $10 entry pack. So minimum to watch live sport, your league, your AFL, all your fun sports, golf, whatever you want, it's going to be 39 bucks a month. And... So you do the math. If you want to add movies to that or you want to add drama and popular programs to that, you're going to be paying over 100 bucks. So you're better off staying with a set-top box if that's what you want. The set-top box allows you to record. It allows you to use all the features, like the catch-up features and all the features built into the box. Uh, so you know, you, they give with one hand and they take with another. They're trying to keep customers. They're trying to allow customers to just pick different packs to stay competitive with Netflix stay competitive with Stan, all these other programs. So to stay competitive, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you can't watch it on, on Netflix, you can't watch it on Stan, you can only watch it on Foxtel, and you could watch it from as little as $25 a month uh, using the using the plans. And if you're a sports fan, as little as 39 bucks a month. You want to find out more about that? There's a lot to take in there. You can check that story out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Now. A Tech Guide Review with Stephen Fennig. Our review this week is of a drone, the GoPro Karma drone. Now, this is GoPro's first attempt at a drone. I've got to say, a pretty good one. There was a little controversy at the end of last year where when uh, it was released in the US, there was some issue with the battery latch, so the battery could actually become detached in midair, and uh, unfortunately, they were falling out of the sky. Uh, we never got that version in Australia, so what it did is basically just delayed the release of the uh, of the GoPro Karma in Australia. So we got the the proper version uh, in Australia. No battery issues that drastic to talk about uh, with uh, the GoPro Karma in Australia. But the GoPro Karma drone, a lot of drone choices out there, and. My best advice to people who are, who are already in the GoPro family or are more focused on photography than flying, the GoPro Karma is a good fit. So it does use the Hero 5 Black on board, and uh, you can choose to, if you already own the Hero 5 Black, you could choose to buy the cheaper version of the drone that doesn't include the camera, so you can use your own. If you don't uh, own the camera, you can buy, choose to uh, pay a couple hundred bucks more and get the version with the included Hero 5 Black camera as well. Now, GoPro is a very well-known brand that, that people have been using for many years, and as I said, I think this is a good approach for GoPro is to make this thing as easy to fly as possible so you can focus on your photography. 
And uh, as I said in my review, this is basically a flying mount for your GoPro. It's literally that. Uh, but the beauty of this of this setup is that you can there's actually a detachable gimbal that you can then put onto the Karma grip, which is included with the drone. So pretty good value there. So whether you're shooting in the air or or on the ground, you've got a great way of capturing video. The GoPro, the Karma grip, so that takes the Hero Five Black. So basically, you just pop off the front of the drone, the stabilizer arm, stick that onto the onto the Karma grip, and then you're shooting smoothly on the ground. When you're ready to fly again, pop that stabilizer back on the front of the drone make sure the battery's charged and away you go with the controller you do get a uh, it, it's a nice controller with a built-in screen and anyone who's played a video game it's, it's very much set up like that so it's easy to take off auto one one button take off one button landing really easy to set up really easy to fly as well so you can concentrate on shooting some great videos there's also some terrific built-in modes for you to look like you fly like a pro so the, the, the three, the four uh, modes on board, there's an orbit mode. So you can set the, uh, the center of the circle and the circumference, and it'll just circle around that point. There's a reveal mode. So the, the drone, as it's flying forward, the camera slowly tilts up to reveal the, the beautiful point of interest at the end of that. There's also circuits. So you can just have a set of path where the drone travels back and forth, either flying forwards or flying backwards. And there's also a selfie mode. So if you want to take a droney, you can uh, set up the drone to focus on you and then fly up and away uh, and you sort of uh, getting smaller in, uh, as the uh, your surroundings are revealed. If you check out our video on Tech Guide, we've uh, showcased all those features on our video. Well, here... The, uh, the the drone itself has a flight time. GoPro says about 20 minutes per battery charge. We got about 14, 15 minutes actually. So it, it, it's not fully the 20 minutes. So that's, that's, I think, one thing that can be improved there. But one of the few issues we had was with the battery. And it was the, with other, other drones, like a DJI drone, you can actually set the safety parameter. So if, for when I fly my DJI drones, I like to set the warning at 25% battery remaining. So that's my low battery warnings with their, when there's 25% of the battery left. So if I happen to be out in the middle of a bay or over water or somewhere, I've still got 25, when I get that warning, I've still got 25% of the battery to use that power to get back to me in case I'm, I could be pretty far away. With the GoPro Karma, it doesn't allow you to change that parameter. There's nowhere in the settings that I could find where I want to set the safety warning at a certain percentage of the battery. The GoPro just warns you when the battery's low, so you're not really 100% sure how much percentage of battery's left. The very first time I flew the GoPro Karma, it gave me the low battery warning. I said, I thought, okay, I'm going to be, I'll turn it around, I'll fly it back. About 20 seconds into it, it said very low battery warning. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing it. I'm bringing it home. And then as it was approaching, as I was about to land it, it just dropped, it dropped out of the sky, like from about a foot in the air, just dropped to the ground. So the battery had obviously exhausted itself completely in the space of a minute. Now, that was an anomaly. Uh, it didn't happen again, but it's worrying if you can't set that percentage, it's, if, if this could possibly happen, if you're over water or flying above sea cliffs, so you, you don't want your drone to fall out of the sky, you want plenty of warning to know. And even if you have the ability to set that warning time, uh, that would be a great feature for the Karma. One other thing it doesn't have are collision sensors with uh, the, the other more expensive drones, I should say, I should admit, because it is a feature on more expensive drones. It doesn't have collision alerts. So no sensors on board, or collision avoidance sensors. Uh, to, the, the drone that does have that is, is more than $1,000 more expensive. So that's a feature, obviously, that might have made the Karma a bit more expensive. So just be aware of that if you are flying. Just make sure you've got plenty of open space. You're not flying close to buildings, which is illegal anyway. Just make sure you've got plenty of room to move. But overall, I think this is a this is an excellent drone. It's a great first attempt by GoPro, and it's it's building a drone for for fans of the brand. If you're a GoPro user, then this is a great drone for you to use. It's easy to fly. It, rather than you learning how to fly a drone, you can get this up in the air on day one and still produce some great images. So rather than flying, uh, rather than learning how to spend time learning how to fly better, you can be spending that time taking better videos. 
That's the GoPro Karma. It's priced at thirteen hundred and fifty bucks without the camera, seventeen hundred and fifty with the GoPro Hero Five Black camera. Great value. You're getting the Karma grip as well. It comes in a backpack also, controller with a built-in screen. You get a lot of you get a lot of stuff for your money there. You want to read our full review of the GoPro Karma? You can check that out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. There's lots of valuable stuff stored on your computer, family photos, videos, tax and work documents. But what would you do if all of that was suddenly gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve? Well, that there is called ransomware. It's a malware that locks you out of your own files, then demands that you pay up or lose access to them forever. And the bad news is ransomware is on the rise in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware, including the recent WannaCry ransomware by blocking dangerous files, warning you against dodgy links before you click, and backing up files from your PC to the cloud so you'll have a copy if anything goes awry. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Alrighty, our Tech Guide Help Desk, we got a, an email from one of our readers asking, look, I don't want to lug around a laptop. I want to upload my photos without having to lug around a big computer, big laptop. So what are the solutions for uploading photos or storing your photos on the go? Uh, they suggested, oh, do I buy a tablet? Do I buy a Surface Pro? What is the answer? Well, yeah, you can buy a, a Surface Pro. It's a tablet. It's got a, a, a card slot on board. You can also buy uh, external hard drives. We've written about some in the past. Uh, WD have a wireless uh, uh, hard drive that also has an SD card slot inside. So you can actually download your images from the card to the hard drive directly. But the other solution, I think, and this is a good one, is uploading your pictures to the cloud. Get them up into Google Drive, iCloud, Dropbox. Even if you take a tablet with you, you can do that. Even even backing them up to an iPad, you, there are dongles you can buy with an SD card reader that uploads all your images to the iPad. So you can then delete all the pictures off your memory card and then keep shooting your way. Even if you're traveling for months, weeks or months at a time, that's still a great solution because there's plenty of room in the cloud, plenty of room on an iPad, plenty of room on this wireless, the, the Western Digital external hard drive as well, portable external hard drive. So that's a, a great solution to keeping all your photos without uh, still taking them on, on the go on your holiday and but having the peace of mind to know that you're storing them as you're going as well we've written about all those stories that I just mentioned on techguide.com.au And it's the end of the show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about, of course, at techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And a shout-out, too, for Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.